Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What's going on, traders? Welcome to the SPACs Attack. We got a great interview for you. Let me know if you're here for EVGO. You guys already know where you guys are at. Fast charging. We're going to talk a lot about EV today, and, and we're going to go into some other stocks. We've been seeing a rival making a move. ASTS, Reddit stocks are getting picked up with SPACs now. So definitely smash the like and welcome to the SPACs attack baby how we doing traders welcome welcome to the SPACs attack let me get my camera to focus up on me let me bring in my man the brains to this show you guys already know him chris catchy what's What's going going on on, mitch how we doing today hey another day in the market definitely paying attention to some stocks as we've been getting some movement you know a lot of inflation talk we're gonna get some fed talk today so a lot of movement we'll definitely get into that I know you probably have seen something, but there's some headlines to definitely get into. So so we can get right into our interview a little bit later. Let's go ahead and jump right into this headlines. All right. Yeah. So not a ton of headlines out there. Uh, A rather quiet day. We did have one deal announced. And then, as Mitch said, we do have some stocks moving, which we'll get into after headlines here. Uh, But up first, we have CLVR. So this is Clever Leaves uh, Cannabis SPAC. So out with some news today that they uh, signed a supply deal with CBD Life Holding uh, in Mexico. So Clever Leaves will act uh, as the API supplier for development and manufacturer of CBD Life's medical cannabis products. This is the first commercial agreement in the Mexican market for Clever Leaves, and it comes shortly after the regulations were fully approved in the country. Um, So Clever Leaves calling this, you know, one of the uh, strategic growth opportunities in a large pharmaceutical market. CBD Life has over 18,000 points of sale in the country. We had Clever Leaves on the show um, not too long ago. They're, they're a frequent guest at our uh, Benzinga Cannabis events as well. Company is a big player in a lot of these international markets. They also have a presence here in the U.S. Um, with some of the CBD brands. So keep an eye out on Clever Leaves gaining entry to the Mexican market here. Then DraftKings, DKNG, uh, former SPAC, when we talked about in detail yesterday, Um, The big news out yesterday, Hindenburg out with a short report, also short the shares. Um, Not a big surprise, but ARC Funds, Kathy Wood, um, you know, backing up the truck, adding more shares of DraftKings to two of the ETFs. Um, We did see shares uh, trading in the green today, um, 48.69. I mean, remember this thing hit. $45 yesterday on that short report prior to that trading at 51. Um, So that would be kind of the bar here is to see if we can get back to that $51 level over the next couple of days to really, you you know, negate that short report. But I think yesterday was definitely a a buy the dip opportunity. 
Um, you know, on that short report, again, there was nothing too surprising in that short report, and it really just targeted SB Tech and not DraftKings. Uh, you know, I still think uh, sports betting stocks, DraftKings included, are, are worth a look, especially heading into the NFL and college football season. And then we have BarkBox, B-A-R-K, which I own shares of, recently completed uh, their D-SPAC um, News out yesterday, I saw that BarkBox has been added to Amazon's third-party subscription website. So Amazon has a section um, of their website where they provide links to some of the uh, subscription-by-mail services. Amazon probably gets a cut of all these, but BarkBox added to that list. Um, you know, So that's a good opportunity for BarkBox to get in front of some additional eyeballs where people can actually add a subscription to BarkBox through Amazon. Um, so that's another way for BarkBox to get potential customers. Um, so that could be an item to watch when they present their next earnings report. And I already saw in the chat someone uh, picking up the news that we did have some analyst uh, upgrades out there. Um, so running through a couple quick, we have SOFI, SoFi Technologies. Uh, getting coverage from Rosenblatt, initiating coverage with a buy rating, a price target of $30. Um, you know, SoFi recently completed that SPAC merger, trading at $22.55 right now, up 8%. Um, this thing hit a little bit over $25 not too long ago. And remember, this thing was trading under $20 going into that SPAC merger, you know, when I said that I really thought that this one would be a strong mover. And we have LEV, which I own shares of, Lion Electric, Raymond James initiating coverage with a market perform and a $22 price target. Um, you know, so Lion Electric, again, electric vehicles, electric buses, um, you know, so keep an eye out on this one. Only up about 2% today, $18. This one was over $23, not too terribly long ago at the start of the month. Um, so we'll see if it can get back to that with that analyst note out today. FRX, uh, Forest Road Acquisition, which is uh, merging with Beachbody and Mixed Fitness. DA Davidson analyst initiating coverage with a buy rating and a price target of $14.50. Uh, you know, Forest Road shares still trading in that $10 range um, with that vote set for the end of this month. Um, remember, we don't get a ton of analyst uh, notes on uh, stocks prior to completing the SPAC merger. Um, so this is a, a strong sign um, that FRX getting some love here from an analyst going into the merger vote. Um, so keep an eye out on this one. And then the last note I saw, one of our favorites on the show, MP, MP Materials, uh, JP Morgan initiating coverage with an overweight rating and a price target of $41. Um, MP trading at about $32.50 right now. Uh, if you go back a little ways, though, this was a $50 stock back in February and March. Um, so keep an eye out on MP Materials. I, I think it's going to get lots of love as we see, you know, the, the rare earth minerals continue to be a big story. Then our mover yesterday, DCRC, announced that deal with Solid Power shares ended the day 13% down. Um, remember, this one had a nice two-day run going into that uh, agreement with the rumor out. Um, I think investors were a little scared off by the timeline, you know, myself included. I really thought solid power with the Ford and the BMW relationship would have its batteries in electric vehicles sooner. 
but it looks like we're we're significant amount of time away, similar to a quantum scape. And our one deal announced this morning, we have ROCR um, Roth CH Acquisition 3 announcing a SPAC merger with Qualtech. This is a leading 5G and renewables infrastructure service provider. Values of the company at $829 million, expected to be completed in the third quarter. So Qualtech, founded in 2012, calls itself a leading turnkey provider of infrastructure services to 5G wireless, telecom, and renewable energy sectors. Um, a national footprint, more than 80 operation centers across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, you know, so two operating segments, telecommunications and renewables and recovery. A proven leader, a backlog of $1.7 billion. They see significant growth uh, coming specifically from federal and municipal infrastructure spending. So, you know, again, they hit both sectors, 5G and renewable. Um, you know, so I have to do some more uh, digging into this one, but I, I like the fact that it covers, you know, two potentially hot sectors there. And then a note that we do have opening for trading today, a new SPAC that I mentioned uh, about a month ago. Um, we saw Rice, R-I-C-E, Rice Acquisition Corp, getting a, a oil deal. And now we have its counterpart. We have Rice Acquisition Corp 2, which, if you remember, I said on the show before, has the awesome ticker R-O-N-I. Um, so you will have Rice and Roni both trading on the stock exchange. And, and then I'll bring Mitch back in here. Mitch, we got to talk about some of these movers. Um, you know, so Reddit, Wall Street bets, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, really increased awareness and interest in certain stocks. Uh, throughout 2021, and we're starting to see some moves with uh, SPACs and former SPACs here. So Go EV, which is Canoe, we saw make a move yesterday. Looks like it couldn't really sustain its move up. And then Arrival, ARVL, which we of course had, you know, them on the show. This has been a favorite, you know, uh, of both of ours. It, it looks good long term. That one got picked up on Reddit. It really took off last night, and that one was interesting. Because I saw it mentioned not so much for the short squeeze trade that we've seen so much. This was more of a low float name out there. Uh, before we get into the new one, Mitch, what do you think of GoEV and uh, uh, ARVL here with the Reddit interest picking up? Well, one of the things that you can definitely look at is that they do, these do have a, a kind of way that we even talked about it yesterday, right? We, we talked about uh, SOGU and kind of how there was a lot of people asking for shorts of these specs, right? So that's why I think these did get some interest, that short interest, and then also the low float. A lot of these are going to have that lower float. And so that's, that's what you kind of saw in arrival yesterday. Um, but the real key is do any of these kind of pushes from uh, Reddit on these SPACs kind of continue the stock moving. One of the things that I can say is at least from the pattern that I've been seeing, it's kind of really quick pushes, kind of more of a day trade kind of thing, momentum trade, pushes on up, but then really just gives it right back. Uh, as you can see, I mean, that's a pretty good lift, but the, but you're talking about a mat, uh, not, not that long of a time difference right there in between there. So definitely you don't get that many to kind of hold on to these. And a lot of it is that if, if you're an investor in these, maybe some of these pops are going to be good to take some profit and maybe get your stock right back because you've been seeing it. Like it goes up there towards 25 and then right back down towards 20. 
I mean, if you had it at 20, there's nothing wrong with taking a nice $5 profit. And then let's talk about the newest one. So Mitch, we talked about this right before the show started today. Um, you know, from our handy D&D Benzinga Pro right here, we have ASTS, um, that headline out on Benzinga Pro saying AST Space Mobile shares are trading higher as traders circulate a Wall Street bets post titled ASTS, the SpaceX for mobile phones, 6 million YOLO with real DD, um, shares up 9% today. 1132. I mean, if you scale back on this thing, back in February, these shares were trading at $25. Um, you know, so I guess I'm not too surprised to see the DD post. Um, but I'm wondering if this one can get some love. I, I, you know, the fact that they included SpaceX in the title of the post, the, the thing I'll caution here is remember that they're they're two or three years away from significant revenue, right? Uh, they're still building out their network. The, the thing I like is they do have those partnerships, right? Vodafone for emerging markets. They have a deal with AT&T and a deal with uh, Telefonica in some of the uh, other markets. But yeah, revenue not expected to hit over $100 million until 2023. You know, they call for billions of dollars in revenue, you know, years later. But this is one that's a couple years away. And I just wonder if it can sustain this momentum today. Um, but looking at that chart, Mitch, I mean, this thing was over $25. You think we see this thing uh, go back to this those highs or will this one kind of crash like GoEV yesterday? Yeah, I think someone's, uh, in, in, let's just say, enjoying the psychology of causing squeezes because it's definitely there's something going on there. Because really, I mean, this squeeze is not technical. The squeeze is not fundamentals. I mean, they can point at fundamentals, but what has changed from the fundamentals in yesterday or back when April or May time hasn't really changed much fundamentals right down when it was at $8. So if they want to point at fundamentals, I mean, then it, it would have held kind of that $10 level and kind of stayed sideways during this period. Then I could have been like, okay, so it held those fundamental prices. But really this is all about the short squeeze. This is just squeezing on up a stock. Um, it doesn't last often. Uh, let's see them one minute, see what we're getting right now. Um, let's see the five. So the five pushed up up there towards 1220s, got all the way back there towards 11. But as you can see, the volume came in really between 10 and 1010, which was about 1.31 million shares. That's when we really got the volume. After this, we've gotten volume up there at the top, probably people taking shares, uh, taking some profit there, 829,000 shares of volume up there by the uh, 1220s. I think that was some people taking some profit. You could see this one come crashing back down. So we'll see if this kind of continues. But definitely with these posts, you got to be careful. They're day trades. They're just swings. And, and if you don't understand how to play this game, I personally would tell you to stay out. As a person that's done day trading and can tell you I've, I've, I've made big gains, massive losses, you don't want to be a part of that massive loss if you don't know how to day trade. Definitely be careful with these. And, and I know that a lot of traders are out there trying to catch the momentum trade, trying to get the next name that is going to run to the moon. Just be careful. Understand your risk. Always what I say is understand the further down risk. Where could the stock go if it just turns around on you? Mitch, can you pull up that uh, clove chart real quick? C-L-O-V, yeah. maybe just to show um, you know, exactly what you're talking about there. You know, if you if you look at this thing. 
I mean, it, it traded up to $28, right? And we're at $13 today. I mean, that's a significant fall, you know, after that short squeeze. So as Mitch said, you know, the, there's people making money off of these short squeezes. There's people making money off of these trades, but, you know, you don't want to get caught chasing these moves because you don't know how long they're going to last. I mean, this could be a one day move, but in Clove's case, it was a couple days, right? But what happened after a couple days up? Then we had a couple days down. So that's that's the, the reciprocation here. So keep an eye out. The other thing I would caution with Arrival is that I saw SPAC warrants on Twitter um, who knows a ton about warrants saying that Arrival has met all requirements for its warrants now. They can actually call those warrants at any time now, which could actually be a, a negative catalyst for shares, right? Because then people will be forced to sell those warrants off, um, you know, so keep an eye out on that. That's another important thing to watch with these uh, SPACs. So just caution out there, guys. You know, I, I like that Reddit has found some of these SPACs, but unfortunately, I just don't think the moves can sustain. All right, time to go ahead and get into what everyone's here for. I see a lot of people joining the stream just now. If you're joining the stream and you want to see EV go, we'll be on in just two seconds. It's time to go ahead and do what we like to do best and unlock those specs, Chris. So let's go ahead and get that done. Yeah, guys, super excited. And I know a lot of people here for this interview and in the chat are excited as well. Some have been asking for this company, for us to bring them on the show. We delivered. Joining us on the show now, we have Kathy Zoe. She is the CEO of EVGo. The company is merging with Climate Change Crisis Real Impact One Acquisition Corp. That ticker is CLII. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Wow, what an intro. Hey, Chris. Hey, Mitch. Nice to be here. Yes, no, great to have you. I had no idea there were people waiting, so I'm just, you know. You're hanging out behind me. <laughs> Fantastic. There is, and one of the things, Kathy, we ask our audience is, hey, what companies do you want us to bring on the show? I mean, obviously, there's a ton of SPACs out there, a ton of completed SPAC deals. And, you know, EVGo is one of those names that got thrown out, especially by some of our loyal viewers. So, we worked hard to try to bring you on the show because we try to deliver with our audience. So, yes, there, there are some big fans out there for you and your company. Well, let, let's talk about the business fundamentals. Like that's that's what I as a CEO am focused on. So, like, over to you guys. What what, what can I help with? Yeah, definitely. so definitely. Right at it. So first question we'd like to ask since we are a show, you know, covering the SPAC market is, why a SPAC deal for EVGo here? And was the company close to a traditional IPO instead? Well, actually, we what you know the market is changing and growing so fast for electrification of transportation. So we've got a major sectoral trend. EVGo um, was acquired by a private equity firm that was well capitalized. But what last late last summer, when our board and I saw the excitement that the public markets have about um, supporting electrification of transportation, we got really excited. And the vehicle, and we also had a lot of incoming interest from potential SPAC partners. And so it was, it was just too good an opportunity to deny. And, um, you know, I've been in the clean energy space for more than 30 years to have public equity markets as excited about participating in the growth of the sector is just really, really neat. So, you know, we, we went ahead with it because the market was excited about it. Perfect. And then, you know, for people who aren't as familiar 
with your company, you know, we do have this slide on the investor presentation, all roads to electrification run through EVgo. Just give us a brief background uh, before we get into the specific questions. What is EVgo all about here? Yeah, so we are we we build, own, and operate the charging infrastructure. So the backdrop that you see on this slide is um, hundreds of billions of dollars of are going into the transition of the, the car sector. Vehicles are going from internal combustion engines to electric. And it, it is the very rare car company that's not electrifying right now. So that's a major sectoral change. On top of that, you've got climate change imperatives, which are which are making governments push the industry towards zero emission vehicles. Again, that, that's again, a, and that's happening not just in the United States with the Biden administration, it's happening the world over. The next thing that's really, really important in terms of sectoral trends is fleets. So fleets are electrifying and that's everything from ride hail, ride share, like Uber and Lyft to UPS and FedEx to then the big trucks that are going to electrify as soon as those vehicles are available. Again, the reason is economics. The total cost of ownership of, of an electric truck turns out to be better than an internal combustion engine, lower risk, lower maintenance, better, better cost opportunities. And then finally um, is this, this fourth box here, shifting consumer preferences. There are now so many choices of electric vehicles. I mean, I think it's going to be hundreds of models on the market in the next several years, which means that there are price points for every single kind of consumer. And what's more is, I don't know if you guys have driven an electric vehicle or have an electric vehicle, but I don't know anybody who has who doesn't love it. So now that there's more choice at more price points, that's sort of a mega trend sort of supporting the electrification of transportation sector. So where does EVgo fit in? Well, we have the charging infrastructure. And we in particular focus on or are known for fast charging, which is where you can actually get 150 miles of driving range in 15 minutes. And the need for more and more fast chargers is, is intensifying because of more EVs, because of drivers who don't have access to home charging, because as I said, that, that electrification of fleets, all of that are pushing the, um, the, the, for flat, the, the market for fast chargers, which is we've been experts in for 10 years. So it's it's an amplifying trend. We charge any EV. Um, so you know it's early stages of the market. So there are different plug connector types. We charge all of them, and we also layer on um, sort of really interesting capital light uh, software functionality on top of our charging experience, which d delights our customers. So all of those things are working together to create kind of a, a, a mega growth opportunity for EVgo. Perfect. Yeah, you already knocked my next question out of the park, which was going to be, you know, why is DCFC needed? And, and to talk about your dominance there. So with the investor presentation at the time of the SPAC deal, we, we got this map, right, for EVgo. So we had over 800 locations for fast charging stations in 34 states. Can you give us, a, you know, kind of an update, you know, of where EVgo is now in terms of, you know, cities, states, major metro areas, et cetera? Well, we're, we're continuing to grow and expand. I mean, one of, one of the play, things that we're doing is you see also on this chart uh, on the left side, we have a partnership with General Motors that uh, Mary Barra and I announced last July, where we're, where we're going to be tripling the size of EVgo's network over the next five years, um, either going into new metropolitan areas are doubling down where we already are. And that's 40 metropolitan areas that are gonna be covered. And that's a $90 million partnership for EVgo where GM is essentially paying a third of the cost of that of the infrastructure. 
And, and why are they doing that? They're doing that because they too, they're, 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 they're going to have, I think, 20 new EV models by 2023. And their research says that if consumers are going to be excited about EVs, then they need to see at the grocery store, at the park, wherever they go, they need to see fast charging and make sure that it's convenient and reliable. And so GM chose EVgo as their partner to get this done. Perfect. So I want to talk Tesla here for a minute. You know, obviously they're a well-known brand in the EV space. And one of the things that EVgo has is, you know, the connectors for Tesla vehicles at those fast charging stations. Uh, are any of your competitors offering that or is that something that really makes EVgo stand out that they can also work with uh, Tesla vehicles? Yeah, we are, we are, as to my knowledge, we are the only partner that's offering that. Um, we, and we, and EVgo stations appear in the Tesla app. I mean, to a certain extent, this is a credit to Tesla for having um, grown the market for EVs so quickly that their own infrastructure can't keep up with demand and they're in their sort of walled garden in Tesla. So we created this partnership to, you know, obviously to get some more drivers onto our network, but to alleviate the queuing that's happening at some of those supercharging stations in metropolitan areas. It's a real win-win. Awesome. So you gave us a little bit of background, you know, on the electric vehicle market size and it growing, you know, where do you see electric vehicle hitting, you know, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, is this going to be the, the ultimate shift and all vehicles end up electric or will this take, you know, uh, decades to get there? Well, look, we in, in our forecast that you've seen in our investor deck, what, what we had, we had put forward was about 7 million EVs on American roads by 2027. And we're now at about a million. So that's, that's phenomenal growth. Interestingly, I think it was last week, Bloomberg New Energy Finance came out with a revised forecast on EVs that I think is 30% higher than what they were saying last year. So this market could accelerate even more quickly than EVgo had thought when we put out our forecast. What's really great about EVgo's business model is that it scales quite easily. So we make each decision to build a station based on the economics of that station. If there are more cars on the road, then we can build stations more quickly. So it, you know, we will, if the, if the EV market scales more quickly because technology comes to market more quickly or the Biden administration creates financial incentives to have more people buy more EVs more quickly, then we will simply build more quickly than we would otherwise. So it could be much faster than we had even thought last year. I mean, I would tell you, like I've, I've been in the clean energy space for 30 years and we saw the same thing happen in solar. When, when the market reached a critical mass, you know, it's just started to take off. You know, we, we reached that, you know, the, the hockey stick like happened. So the same thing could happen with, with the electric vehicle market. I mean, with all of the investment of the car companies behind it and all of the models that are coming, it's pretty exciting. Awesome. So, you know, I mentioned the, the Tesla connectors, um, you know, aside from that, you know, we've seen a lot of these uh, uh, charging infrastructure plays go public. Um, you know, announced SPAC deals are already publicly traded. Give us some of the, the key factors that set EVgo apart from the competition out there for the charging market. Yeah, so there, there are several lenses through which view charging and the charging ecosystem. There's, is it level two or is it DC fast? What's the difference there? Level two is great for at-home charging or great for all day at work charging. It's sort of six hours to get a full charge. Versus DC fast, where, as I said at the outset, you can get about 150 miles of range in 15 minutes. So different markets. You know, so, some of the players out there focus on level two, and, that, and that's fantastic. That, that is always going to be there. Um, the, another, another way to think about this is public 
public networks versus proprietary networks behind the fence. What EVGO focuses on is DC fast charging on a public network. And then our business model itself is we own the infrastructure. The way we make money is that we keep that network up and running and we have people love charging on it. And that, that is, that again, that is distinct from some of our competitors who are selling the chargers, but don't retain ownership and don't really have an incentive to necessarily keep the network operating. So with that being said, you know, and there being competition out there, EVGO looking to hit, you know, a 20% market share within the next couple of years. Um, how do you hit that market share and how are you able to sustain it with some competition already out there and possibly some new players, you know, entering uh, in future years? Well, actually, we already have the market share. So we, we are already the market leader. What we actually assume relatively conservatively is that we're going to go from 50% market share of the retail of the non-Tesla retail public market network to a little over 40% because we do recognize that there will be some competition. How are we going to retain even that? Because we create, we're a great counterparty. We have 98% uptime on our network. We continue to add these bells and whistles onto our network that, that our customers love. Like when they plug in, they can get a coupon for the store where that's near where they're charging. They can also make a reservation on our network. That's new functionality that is our own IP that we've added to our network. You know, as, as Andy Grove famously said, only the paranoid survive. We take very, very seriously that there's gonna be competition in the market and it's on us to keep our customers happy and coming back for more. The other thing I would say, Chris, is that is that we are, increasingly working closely with the fleet market, right? That's it's early days for fleets. Um, as I mentioned, Uber, Lyft, Penske, Rider, UPS, Amazon, all of those companies are starting to electrify for one reason or another, economics, ESG goals, and EVGO because we operate a really, really state-of-the-art public network is a good counterparty for them as they think about meeting their own charging infrastructure needs for their own um, vehicles and their fleets. So that's a, an increasingly important segment over time to service those very high mileage cars um, that are driving around the roads. Awesome. I want to circle back to the, the General Motors partnership here. So GM, you know, out with some more news today, you know, investing heavily in electric vehicles. Uh, you're a, a major partner to them, but, you know, they, they've also partnered with uh, some other companies. How does the relationship with EVGO look? Is there any exclusivity, um, you know, with certain vehicles or on that, you know, find a charger network? And is there milestone targets that need to be met for this relationship? Yeah, we are. We are a, the, the charging infrastructure partner. We are. The, we build this. The, the 2750 stations that I mentioned that we're building, GM is supporting EVGO financially to the tune of 90 million dollars to do that. And we're the only partner with them on on actually building charging assets. So and that and that and we have a five year build program. Um, with with quarterly targets that we're we're meeting together, we we discuss where where do they want to get cars out there and where do we want to build um, to match those needs. And it's just a fantastic partnership. I mean, we just love working with GM. Walk us through what what's next after this merger gets done. Um, you know, is it just to continue on this roadmap? You know, of uh, working with partners, building out these stations. Any plans for you know M and A activity or to introduce new products down the road? Well, we, we, we have a really, look, the market, let's just go back to the fundamentals. The market is growing really quickly. There is a gap. If, if, you know, if we get all these EVs out there, we need to have much more charging infrastructure, tens of thousands of new 
fast chargers need to be built over the next six years, that's going to keep us pretty darn busy. The, the bulk of the capital that we're raising through this merger is going to go directly into CapEx uh, for, the, for these chargers. I mean, each, each charger is over $100,000, each single charger. So, so that's where the bulk of it's going to go. Now, there may be opportunities to do some, some you know, button on or pull in um, acquisitions that are accretive to what EVgo's business is. And we, you know, we'll be, we'll be open to those, but the fundamental, the most, the, the largest focus for us is to continue to do what we do well, which is just build, build and operate fast chargers that people love to use. All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump in here a little bit. One of the things that I want to talk about is, of course, kind of the host that can you can get. Um, there's a lot on here, a lot on this presentation. And I think that this is just kind of a conservative list. I mean, really. <laughs> so um, what? how can really you kind of approach these hosts in the next couple of years? You talked about the fleets changing over. But of course, these are these are kind of hosts that kind of also use commercialized vehicles, rent. So how are you guys going to approach this? Well, it's, it's, it's how do we already approach it? Because we've got every single major retail grocery chain as a partner right now. And what they see in, in today's world, bricks and mortar needs to attract foot traffic. And that was actually even magnified during the pandemic where everybody moved online. So the, the, the existence of fast charging in your parking lot is an amenity. And so these, you know, Albertson Safeway, Kroger, Whole Foods, Meyer. Target, they all want to attract foot traffic to the stores and having an EVgo station in your parking lot helps do that. And what we offer to them with our business model is they don't even have to pay for it. We go to them, we pay rent for the stalls and then we operate the chargers, you know, best in class, no problems at all. And that, that's what the value proposition is for the, for the site hosts is that they, they, they create a lovely customer experience by having EVgo operate that, own and operate that infrastructure. Of course, you know, we've had support of our president right now for the infrastructure move. How do you see this moving forward in the next year? Well, look, if, um, if, if, the, if the president and the Congress can get together to um, support both electrification of cars and the infrastructure that goes with it, and we call it a peanut butter and jelly approach, you need the incentives for the cars as well as the incentives for the infrastructure, then we're going to accelerate the global trend that we're, that we're seeing anyway, in, in terms of electrification of transportation. What it means is that we'll be creating great jobs here in the United States. We'll be ensuring that the United States stays at the helm of a, of a globally competitive industry. So we're really excited about what the Biden administration is proposing and how we're gonna, you know, how they are gonna work from the White House with the Congress to get it done. Awesome. I want to ask a couple questions we've got from our uh, chat here from our viewers. So one of the questions here comes from Jonas. Uh, what is your view of potential competition from utility companies looking to build and operate charging stations? Any comments on this and maybe, uh, you know, discussion of uh, vehicle to grid um, talk as well? Sure. That's a great question from Jonas. Um, we utilities are our partners. And we, we actually love, obviously love working with them. We buy, we buy our electricity that we dispense through our, through our chargers from the local utility. Um, in most cases, what, what, what utilities are given permission to do by their regulators is to support the local distribution network and any transmission service upgrades that are required to enable fast charging, but they're not, they've not been allowed to actually own the chargers. So for us, it's a great partnership. They'll cover the service upgrades for building a fast charging station, and then we'll operate, this, uh, operate the station. 
Um, they also are instrumental in putting in rates that are supportive of electrification of transportation and not punitive. So again, another, another really, really lovely partnership. There have been a few cases so far where regulators, the electric company regulators, have allowed the utilities to own the assets themselves. And what EVgo does in those cases is offers to white label it because because we're experts in this, and like each one of those chargers has about two thousand components. It's not something that necessarily the utilities want to do themselves, but they might they might prefer to have an expert like EVgo white label that for them and they'll hold the assets on their books. So either way, look, we see utilities as our partner and we're, we're delighted that they're as excited about electrification of transportation as we are. Another question here from Richard um, asking the cost of electric price difference between Tesla supercharger and EVgo. Um, you know, I would assume that means the, the EVgo uh, connector for a Tesla vehicle here. Um, what what the exact cost is? Our 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 prices are set regionally, and the, what the prices that we charge are a function. As I said, as I just mentioned, we have we have to buy electricity from the local utility, and then we have to cover the cost of our equipment and the rent and the operations and maintenance of those stations. So our prices are, I think you would like this as as investors, are set to make sure that our revenues exceed our costs. So that that's what we have to charge. Perfect. And then last question here uh, from Sean in the chat asking, will EVgo have charging for residential homes? Probably not. I mean, my advice to you, you can go on Amazon if, and right now and buy a kit for a level two charger if you want to put one into your garage. EVgo's success um, as a business does it, is not predicated on stealing market share from anybody who has at-home charging. Interestingly, though, 30% of Americans don't. They don't have a garage or they rent or they live, they don't have a house with, you know, that doesn't have a carport or something. And for those folks, they're going to need to charge conveniently away from home. So we're servicing that market. But if you want to install residential, you know, if you want to install a charger at home, either you can go on Amazon or you can even call your local electrician. If you've got a 240 volt dryer outlet in your garage, that might be all you need. So, like, go for it, buy an EV. And then when you're away from home, use an EV Go charger. All right, perfect. Well, that's going to do it, I think, for our questions and for the chat here. So want to give you a big shout out here. We appreciate you, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule joining us. So uh, again, we have Kathy Zoy. She's the CEO of EVgo. The company is merging via SPAC. That ticker is CLII. Kathy, we look forward to, you know, following the progress of EVgo going forward and, uh, you know, maybe having you back on the show uh, after this deal goes through. Well, look, you know, and many of your viewers may, if they're share, if they're if they're holders now, they, they need to be. You guys need to vote, right? The vote's happening June 29th. Please go ahead and cast your vote if you're excited about it. We sure are. Definitely, awesome. definitely. We'll get the news out. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Thank you, Kathy. All right, guys. As you guys heard it, another exclusive interview here, and like she mentioned. Vote, 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 guys! If you guys are invested in here, do not miss that vote date. Yeah, you know, having a CEO on, you know, only a couple weeks, uh, you know, before that vote of the merger, you know, I think is important here, right? And again, you know, a reminder, everyone should be voting on these SPAC deals. You know, the last thing we want is for these deals to get pushed back, um, you know, due to not enough votes. We saw that several months ago, but it hasn't happened in a while. Um, but, you know, I encourage everyone, make sure you vote on these deals. But you know, Metcha, we've we've got lots of charging plays out there. This is a another interesting one. I really like 
that DC fast charging leadership that they have, the market share there, and then also the the Tesla relationship, right? Uh, you know, if you own a Tesla vehicle, you can go to a supercharger to charge your vehicle, or you can go to an EVgo that has that connector, but you can't go to other charging stations to charge your Tesla. And then also that partnership with General Motors, right? And I haven't listened to it yet, but GM CEO today, you know, speaking about their uh, their investments in EVs, they're going they're going all in, right, on electric vehicles. So to have GM as a partner here, I, I think is a huge positive for them going forward. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you you, you mentioned the the two deals there, the Tesla and the GM. Even before that was that Nissan deal. Um, that Nissan deal was interesting too. It pretty much gave you an ability to charge for free. I mean, think about that, guys. If you had an EV and you could charge it for free, even if it was only for one year, I mean, man, I'm taking some road trips. Right. right. <laughs> if I could charge for free, you know what I mean? And 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 now I think, you know, this was back then. This was in 2014. Probably EVgo wasn't as, you know, around the United States as it is now. Now you have a possibility of going to those different charging, different locations. I think this is really why you'll see a kind of EV in the long run get picked up. It's just that at the end of the day, if you want to make some long drives, you want to have a cheaper kind of uh, efficiency and, and not do so much. I, I mean, I know a lot of people, they can't do one single repair. They can't change a tire, let alone be worrying about their vehicle. So I, I think this is also a reason why you see it kind of get picked up. But definitely the Tesla connectors, I think, just put it on the map with Tesla kind of uh, the user that uses Tesla, that actually has a Tesla car. And I think this helped them out. It just put them on the map and pushing it further and further and getting it out there. And because, I, I mean, we all know Tesla has been the leader in EV. We can we can say that, right? But we all know that there's going to be some other companies starting to step up. The biggest thing is word of mouth. I think this gave them that word of mouth and really started pushing them forward. Yeah, you know, and as she mentioned, so if, if you're driving your Tesla, right, and, and you open up your app, you know, where can I charge my Tesla? EVgo shows up on that map. Other competition doesn't. Same's going to be with General Motors, right? Those new electric vehicles. When, when you get on your app and where can I charge my my GM vehicle, it's going to show EVgo stations. So you know, I, I think that's huge. Like you said, for for word of mouth, for brand awareness, and you know, getting out there. So I'm excited about this company. Um, again, I know a lot of you in the chat, you know, have been asking to hear from this company. Um, you know, so we're excited to bring them on. Please smash that like, guys. Please subscribe to Benzinga if you have not already. We've been bringing you exclusive interviews, you know, for months and months, um, you know, to cover this market. So exciting times ahead. Um, this is another great company out there uh, to keep on your watch list if you don't own shares. Yeah, it looks like it's doing good on the day. I'll take a quick look at this daily chart to show you guys a quick support there. Definitely present on this chart. You guys see it right here. 1350 is going to be that line in the sand right now for me, guys. 1350, the bulls still hold on. If it breaks that on the downside, I think you'll see the kind of the uh, the bulls give up. But if this one gets back above 1450, it can really start pushing, guys. They could make next level up to 15, and then at 15, we can start trying to get back up. You know, we we got this gap up and then we cracked it on the downside can we go back up and start filling this gap up there closer towards 19 that would be the interesting and and it could come with the vote date so definitely keep your eyes on this one fifth uh 
1350 definitely keep your eyes on that price level looking strong getting into the 14 uh, looking to get above 14 today we'll see if it closes above 14 at the end of the day yeah perfect you know so what else do we have moving out there um should we look at the the watch list again here uh mitch all right, let's go ahead and take a look. Let's see what other stocks we got moving here on this watch list. We got a lot of the things kind of going up. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look, see what we got. Um, we've talked about most of these, but B-Fly having a good day. Chris, not, not yeah. a bad one. Yeah, you know, B-Fly getting some, uh, some love there. Um, you know, looks like a, a good day. Not sure what the, the news is here, um, but we had Dr. Jonathan Rothberg on the show, right, uh, last week. To talk butterfly. Oh, you know what? Benzinga Pro, it, it looks like uh, butterfly is being mentioned by Hedgeye as a best idea. Um, that's a newsletter that can move stocks. So, uh, you know, getting mentioned there from, from a major, uh, you know, mover, uh, maybe that's the move today, but getting some new eyeballs in front of Butterfly Network here. So this thing could uh, could have a nice run. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I, I thought about after our interview, Chris, and it was really after the interview that I thought about this was, what if in the long run, you start getting some activists to really start supporting butterfly networks? I think that could possibly happen. You know, I think this is going to be such a great thing for, let's say, third world countries, uh, even second world countries, even in our country itself, it can be such great use. And I think you could get some support from some big activists who knows i haven't heard anything just yet but i'm gonna keep my eye on that because something like that could really i mean that could change this stock completely uh, definitely let's keep an eye on it strong day going up there to 1450s up about seven percent on the day fisker about five percent on the day dkng i wanted to point out strong day bouncing back let's see if it can get back above 51 that would be the interesting look if it got right back above that level. As you guys see, lots of volume yesterday. We know who that was, <laughs> our dear Aunt Kathy. Yep, Kathy, Kathy. I can't blame you. She went shopping. She got it. She got a discount. She she said, hold on. There's a <laughs> discount on, D, on DKNG? Hold on. I didn't hear about this discount. And then she just bought it up. She said, hey, I'll take my, my, my coupon code. The, the Hindenburg yeah. coupon code. Yeah, you know when I when I looked at that email last night, Mitch, the the Arc Daily activity. That was the first thing I looked for. Right? Was did she add more DraftKings shares? Because ended the day in the red, but I mean it, it, it was down big early in the day. So we don't know specifically when she bought shares, but I have a feeling after this short report came out. I mean, she was watching to see where these shares landed. Um, you know, but nice move today. And, you know, as Mitch said, and I, I said in the headlines, yeah, I, I think, you know, 50, 51, that's going to be the key levels here because that's where this stock was, you know, prior to that short report from Hindenburg. Um, I did see this one mentioned on Reddit a little bit yesterday. I'm not sure, you know, it, it's going to get a big move there, but let's face it. Uh, anytime there's short reports out about stocks now, pe people want to target the shorts, right? We have the the David versus Goliath that happened, you know, with uh, GameStop, AMC. Same thing's happening, you know, with some of these SPACs, right? These former SPACs that get hit by the short reports. I think you start to see, you know, uh, those short reports turned against. And again, DraftKings, you know, it wasn't a huge short report, right? They didn't say DraftKings, you know, was 
overstating revenue or, you know, uh, reporting, uh, you know, pre-orders as binding orders, right? Which those have been some red flags for some of these other pre-revenue companies, right? Or these, you know, early stage companies has, has real revenue, has, you know, big revenue and, and the big red flags pointed out by Hindenburg. It was just about, you know, the ties to the, 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 uh, you know, illegal activities. And again, that wasn't DraftKings. It was their subsidiary SB tech. So I really think, you know, that this, this short report just didn't do a whole lot to, to, you know, obviously shares dropped, but it really didn't point anything big out. So, um, you know, I, I didn't take away much from that. And as we said yesterday, there's a chance, you know, maybe DraftKings decides to distance themselves from SB Tech, um, but we'll see what happens. Mitch, I saw a tweet yesterday um, from our good friend of the show, Julian Klimachko, um, wondering if you can uh, pull that up here. So the tweet was about uh, Snowflake, right? So Snowflake went public. Not too long ago, shares trading, you know, over $400. We're now at 240 The company yesterday projected that they will hit $10 billion in revenue in 2029. Um, you know, so now Julian's tweet saying snow trading on 2029 uh, numbers. And, and then a follow-up tweet saying, where's Gary Gensler on this? If he hates 2025 forecast, he should despise 2029 you know, that's one of the big differences with SPACs and IPOs, right? Is when a company goes IPO, they can't issue forward-looking statements. A, a SPAC can, and that's been one of the biggest things the SEC wants to target is that these companies shouldn't be able to give projections five years out. Well, now you have Snowflake, which went public via IPO, issuing forward guidance eight years out, where is the SEC on this? What do you think, Mitch? You know, should 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 companies be able to give forward, uh, you know, projections that far out? And what's the difference here between, you know, Snowflake versus a SPAC, you know, calling out their revenue uh, forward? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I always talk about it's story, right? That's what they're trying to give you. They're trying to give you the story. And, it, and you got to read into the narrative. Is it the narrative that you like? Is it a narrative you believe in? Is it a narrative that's supported by economic data? Do you see that industry also putting out those numbers? Not just the company itself, the industry behind it. Like let's say if, if you were looking at the DM and you were looking at that investor presentation and then you said, hold on, let me go look up some research reports that are on 3D to compare kind of the revenue that they expect going into the industry overall. And then let me look at DM and see how much they're talking about they're be capturing that total market and then you can start comparing you see that that's how i would look at it if i was a, an investor here and that's what you need to do you guys you need to do your research because it's not necessarily just what's said on the investor presentation it's also how that industry is going to perform in the next couple of years i think that actually matters more than even just the company's performance because if the industry themselves can get roaring like let's say ev you know, in five, six years, if it's in everybody's driveway, well, then, yeah, you, you can you can pretty much kiss them all to the sky. You know, they're all going to get up there. But if it takes some time to develop this technology, this LIDAR technology, the autonomous, if it takes some time to get some of these vehicles out because of chip shortages or battery issues, all these kind of things can hurt the industry as a whole. 
which thus would come back down towards the bottom line of these companies if you look at each one. So what I always say is, is look at two different looks. Look at the micro look that the company's giving you and then look at a little bit of a macro look at the, at the industries and the sectors. Yeah, you know, perfect. And, you know, I, I got to say, you know, if you're the SEC, maybe you need to set the bar for everyone, right? You know, maybe all companies can do it or no companies can do it. Because otherwise, if you start limiting what SPACs can do, you're, you're going to get arguments like this, right? That companies are, are giving forward looking statements. Uh, you know, Snowflake, I think, taking a little risk here because you really don't see companies give that specific uh, of a guideline that far out. I mean, that's something they're going to be held to now, right? By investors, by analysts, you know, by by the media, right? So interesting to see Snowflake yesterday. And, and again, perfect example, right? Of a, of a company that went public via IPO, shares rocketed higher. You probably weren't able to buy the shares and now they have come crashing down. So again, for all the hate the SPAC market gets, there have been so many companies that have gone public IPO that have not been able to sustain their their one day, two day moves. So, you know, just caution out there and just my rebuttal for anyone, you know, that talks the the IPOs here. Someone in the chat was mentioning GSAH, um, wondering if we would have the CEO on. I don't think we can do that yet because they do have that rumor out there. Um, so until they announce a definitive agreement, um, they're probably going to be quiet. Um, but that was, you know, a, a big rumor out there that did see shares down. And then also SoFi being mentioned, you know, in the chat too. So there's GSAH. I mean, this thing. Back at $10. Yeah, you know, and that, that rumor out there, which again, you know, they have not announced their deal. Um, but it was from Bloomberg. Bloomberg has been pretty right on these calls. It, it was for that, that company that works with the nuclear power plants, Right. Which to me, I mean, you hear that and just I think everyone stays away. And, and maybe when we get that presentation with the revenue and the, the forecast, it, it looks good, right? But to me, I mean, I just don't see nuclear, you know, being a huge uh, grower. They did mention, you know, some, some hospitals, right, with radiation uh, monitoring, uh, some army, right? Because with the military, you always want to be monitoring um, you know, different uh, levels there too. So, you know, they do have some some revenue drivers, but I just, everyone with GSAH, right? We wanted this big name, right? This well-known company, the, this multi-billion dollar deal, you know, like an Impossible Foods or a Rivian or a, you know, something like that. So no surprise that shares sold off. Um, but yeah, back at $10. So uh, it, it could be worth a uh, play here at, at 10 um, especially if you play the the arbitrage trade here to to trade those shares back in, uh, what do you what do you think, Mitch? I saw news yesterday uh, on THCB. I don't know if I was if I'm going crazy. Was it uh, kind of a, a it, I think there was it the German counselor that went. I think someone visited uh, uh, a kind of a a. a I got. It, I got. It. Let me. Let me. Let me pull up the tweet. I'll, I'll pull up the tweet in a couple of seconds. I, I did see something on this. I'm wondering why it's pulling back today. That's what I'm wondering. Um, we did get that good news. A good pop up there towards 14. But man, this, this is a little bit of a pullback down towards that gap. That 12. It's going to be looking interesting when it gets down towards that 12. I even like this stock. Uh, if I could get it back down towards that 12, it could give me a look back up there towards 14. Interesting look here. It's pulling back about 
almost 4%. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. It looks like there's an unconfirmed uh, earnings date in 12 days now. So we'll, we'll we'll try to get that confirmed. If we get it confirmed, we'll let you know. Yeah, and I am long shares THCB here. Um, I got in below $12 um, a couple weeks ago. I, I like this one, right? Microvast uh, battery player. I think maybe trading down today, Mitch, because of that solid power deal yesterday. But but the thing with solid power and quantum scape is they're years away. Microvast actually looks like they are, you know, a, a leader and could really take some share uh, right away um, in this battery market. And the other thing, Mitch, is they have a unconfirmed vote set for July. They gave a tentative date, July 17th, I believe. But they, they said that was just tentative. When they announced the actual date, I mean, they're going to be one of the first companies with a hard July date. And maybe that ends up being a catalyst to get these shares moving too. So um, not sure. But again, I am long shares of THCB here. Uh, I think Microvest is a strong player in the battery market. All right. It looks like they're going to be uh, presenting on June 25th to the Department of Energy. So definitely keep your eyes out on that one. I would keep my eyes on that. Definitely you got to keep your eyes on anything that has to do with the government right now and battery plays. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Let us know in the chat. Do you guys have any of you want to take a look at before we get on out of here? We've got about two minutes left, guys. This is what we do every single day. John Doe is saying that Workhorse is crying again. <laughs> hey, that, I mean, Ride is crying too, right? It's back down closer towards 10, but we'll see if that gets it popping back up. Um, it's all about the postal deal, man. That, that could bring it right back up. I still haven't heard anything about that. It um, looks like, Mitch, uh, the news just out now is that they are um, considering a legal challenge uh, against the U.S. Postal Service. Boom, um, boom. That on uh, Benzinga Pro right here. So shares of Workhorse up 9%. Um, I mean, you're at $15. This thing was over $40, uh, but it did drop, you know, uh, to about $550 uh, earlier in May. So like you said, it's all about that Postal Service deal. Um, we'll, we'll see if they end up getting any uh, any piece of that. But uh, uh, And then, yeah, John Doe saying that's why THCB down. So THCB partners with Oshkosh, um, which landed that USPS deal. But again, that's not that. the... That's not the main source for uh, Microvast. They have several deals um, for batteries. So uh, that could be a contributing factor, but I think maybe that would be a, a overstatement here for Microvast to be down that much, but we'll see. So thanks for pointing that out uh, in the chat, John Doe. Uh, again, guys, I think that's going to wrap it here pretty soon for us. I uh, just want to send a big shout out right, to all our viewers. Uh, you know, Some of you have been with us from the start. Some of you we've picked up along the way. Hopefully everyone tuning in, you know, is getting value out of this show, right? I, I try to bring, you know, the, the biggest headlines for, for SPACs and former SPACs. We try to cover all the rumors. We try to cover those deals. And, you know, as I said, we, we try to bring the, the guests that you guys want on the show. And that could be CEOs, that could be, you know, SPAC ETFs. Or that could be just some people in the industry, right? Julian Klamachko is a great guest to have on. We had SPAC Guru on, right? Oh, yeah, Niccolo Damasi. Yeah, I mean, not only does he have SPACs, but My he dude. just knows he just knows that market so well. And, I mean, he, he's so transparent when he comes on. And, and he just knows so many sectors. So we should reach out to Niccolo, get him back on the show. So good call. Oh, a new viewer. Well, welcome to the show, Mitchell. Yeah, guys, if you're new 
drop a comment in the He's chat. A Mitch. Of yeah, course. that's a, a Mitch. Let's get some shout outs going, guys. We're, we're going to wrap here. But, you know, just again, big shout out. You know, thank you to everyone for joining us on the show and an, another great interview. Please smash that like button to keep the show going. Definitely, definitely, guys. We'll keep an eye out on all these SPACs, and we'll continue moving. If you guys want to stay with us or talk any SPACs, you guys can always hit us up on Twitter. You guys see our tags right underneath us. Hit us up. We talk SPACs all day long, and, I mean, I, you guys can find Chris literally all day long. Just hit him up. Hit him up in the DMs. Hit him up at him, hit him and he'll get, you, he'll get you some answers. Maybe you don't know why a stock is moving, and you need an answer. Look, Chris will look into it especially if it's moving he'll definitely look into it guys so hit him up hit him up on twitter if you don't already follow him i definitely suggest you start doing all right guys we'll be back tomorrow on Spax attack coming up next you got power hour don't miss it Spax attack.